0: hello hello my fellow podcast people hope you're doing very very well on this fine monday afternoon or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode i'm your host as per usual azrin the language nerd you can find me primarily on facebook instagram snapchat and youtube but also secondarily whenever i feel like posting on TikTok and on tumblr my username and all these platforms is exactly the same it is at polyglot that is spelled p-o-l-y-g-l-o-t a Z or Z, depending on your country, R E N. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. Guys, I have some news for you a bit of a news flash, an exciting piece of news, or rather, exciting for me, which is that I have been getting back into Gujarati in a pretty heavy way. In the past, I would say four, five, six days, I've watched two Gujarati movies, I've booked myself an online Gujarati lesson. I messaged one of my old Gujarati teachers and asked her if I can work with her in a specific way to work on my writing and my uh, my grammar side of things, and overall, it's just going really really well it's been a good four five six days and i've dived back into is it dove or dived it's dived i've dived back into um into my gujarati and it is exciting and i love it and i think a good learning point i think one thing that's standing out in my brain here is sometimes when you have lost the motivation or when you have when you've stopped studying a specific language for whatever reason and you've lost some of that momentum a really good thing to try is to pick a different quote unquote hook, find a different strategy, find a different way to re-enter that language. So if we look at myself, Gujarati, before my, my very first hook, I guess you could say was, I was taking lessons with my grandpa. My grandpa would teach me, I used to go, I think it was two or three days a week, two days a week, I think. My grandpa would teach me Gujarati at the house and that was the initial hook. Eventually that wasn't working very well anymore and I had gone to India, so going to India and studying intensely, intensively was the next hook. The third hook for me was videos, YouTube videos. I was watching YouTube videos in Gujarati, and I was watching them and I was enjoying them. Those were different, 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 different hooks along the way. And now the hook that's gotten me back into it is Gujarati movies on Netflix. And so literally, even right now, as I'm as I'm making this podcast, there's a website open in front of you or in front of me where I'm looking at other. Gujarati movies to watch online (laughs) because I've watched two already and I I want to find a third one to a third one to actually watch. And so it's something to try. If you've lost that motivation, if you've lost some of that momentum, find a different strategy. Think about a new way to re-enter that same language, and that might give you a little bit of an extra energy boost or a little bit of an extra boost to help you regain some of that momentum. So that is a really big thing i want to start off with because um, it's worked well for me and i think it can work well for a lot of you now something pretty crazy happened this morning which i wanted to dedicate the rest of this podcast to as you know i am taking uh some mandarin classes or rather one mandarin class and one uh, linguistics class chinese linguistics class at my local university and in my mandarin class we had to do an uh, a, a what do you call it a, a presentation a group presentation The presentation consisted of preparing a a dialogue between myself and my partner that incorporated previous grammar and previous vocabulary that we had learned in the past, in the past couple chapters. And it was interesting, right? Because there was a lot of learning points from this whole process of preparing this dialogue. First and foremost, I realized that the majority of people, almost maybe even everyone, I don't know what the percentage is, but definitely, Definitely, I would say 70, 80% based on a personal experience. Most people or a lot of people when they have to create dialogues will legitimately just create a dialogue and memorize the dialogue. So for example, when I was watching presentations, presentations today, you could tell most people went up there. One person would say their line. The next person would say their line. Person one would say their line. Person two would say their line. Sometimes you even see one of the people looking up thinking, oh crap, what was my next line? Uh oh yeah. Then they remember it and they say it. And that's all they've done. They've taken the dialogue, they've memorized it, and they're just spitting it out in front of the class so that um they can get the mark or they can do a quote unquote good presentation. This also happens uh when people need to do role plays. So sometimes in when you take language classes you will do role plays, meaning you'll have a textbook. In the textbook you'll have a specific topic or scenario. Person A becomes Person A takes on a role, person B takes on a role, right? And person A and person B go through this role play, whether it's that you make up your own role play or, or whether it's you're literally reading something out of the textbook. This is another version of the same activity. And again, people will generally do the same thing. They will memorize something and they'll just like try and get through it as a robot. That's my perspective of it, my perspective of it. Or they'll just read the textbook without actually trying to learn the material because they're just trying to get through the activity and that was a massive thing i noticed because i treat these types of activities in a very different way whenever i'm working with practice dialogues role plays if i'm memorizing a dialogue if i have to prepare a presentation my goal is not actually just to memorize it but it's to try and internalize it to a point where i could use it spontaneously i think a good example of this would be these these gujarati movies that i've been watching one of the movies I watched, or rather the very first one I watched, I am re-watching right now. But when I'm re-watching it, as I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, I'm going line by line, sentence by sentence. And what I'm doing is I am, you know, listening to a sentence, pausing, writing the sentence down, and yes, I am creating practice dialogues. But at the same time, I am creating the practice dialogues as with, with a goal of being able to actually use it in spontaneous speech. So when I write these practice dialogues, I'm not actually memorizing the dialogues. I'm doing it and imagining myself in that exact moment, speaking that specific phrase or word or expression or whatever. So it's a very active, active kind of process where the primary goal is not memorization, but the primary goal is internalizing and storing the information in my long-term memory so that I can use it of my own accord in the future. And that's a very different mentality to be having when you're working with these. Again, whether it be a memorized role play that is in a textbook or in a in a whatever, or whether it's your own created dialogue that you're presenting in front of a class or you're doing at your own house for self-study purposes or whatever. I find most people do it as a memorization tactic, but they don't actually have the goal of storing it in long-term memory and actually really remembering it and really getting engaged with that dialogue and feeling emotionally connected to it. and and acting it out at their house on purpose so it sticks in their brain, etc. And so that was the first thing I really noticed, and I think that's an interesting thing to point out because many language teachers, and heck, many language learners even, will sometimes think, or often they will think, that these kinds of practice dialogues or role plays, they will think it's an effective strategy to learn. But please understand that most language learners, or most people, don't know how to use those dialogues and to use them in a way where um, use them in a way where they can actually take something out of it. Most people will default into just memorizing it. And even now, this is the crazy part, even now that I've brought this up, a lot I can imagine a lot of people thinking, well, this is great, Azrin. You said use the dialogue and have the goal of storing it in long-term memory. How do I do that? I could literally imagine people thinking that as they listen to this podcast. It's a very valid thought. And, you know... <sighs> It's a, it's a difficult thing. You'd almost have to like watch me as I do it to really see like how, like, how do you do that? What's going on? How do you use these dialogues effectively? So ultimately for the majority of people in most scenarios, unless you're going to, you know, unless you know how to use those dialogues effectively to like learn the information at a very deep level, or if you're a teacher who knows how to teach your students how to use those dialogues properly to really learn, I do not think that those kinds of role plays or practice dialogues are always the most fantastic way to be teaching. Because I can tell you right now, a lot of the people that I I saw give that presentation today in my Mandarin class, and heck, even in previous classes, now that I'm thinking about it, in my French classes, I've taken Spanish classes, even some English classes where I've seen people give this presentation, but it was literally a memorization drill. It was not a language learning exercise. And language learning and memorization are two completely different skills. They have some similarities, there is some tie-in and connection between them, but ultimately they are quite separate. So that was a really big thing I noticed. The second thing I noticed is, and this is more, <laughs> uh, this is an interesting little topic. The second thing I noticed is that because my goal with this presentation was to actually have a real dialogue and to treat it as a real dialogue so I can actually learn something and take something away from it, seeing as that was my goal, it derailed our actual oral presentation. When we went up in front of that class, guys, you, you have to imagine this. Everyone's gone up. They've done their presentations. It was fine. They got through their lines. They went from start to finish. They for the most part, people remembered. Some people dropped the ball, but overall it was generally people got through their memorized scripts. We get up there and legitimately halfway through, it's like my partner's like whispering like, that's not the lie. And they're like, wait, where are we? What's going on? Wait, what? And sometimes she would say things and I'd be thinking like, what did you say? And it was just, it was just a mess. We didn't even get through the whole thing. Like, I don't know what mark we're going to get, but probably it's not going to be a very good one. And it all had to do with the miscommunication because me, when I prepared for this dialogue, you need to understand, I studied what I had to say, no doubt about it. But my focus was not to memorize every single line word per word. I just knew the general flow of what we go- what the major events were in our dialogue. And I knew how to say the things that I had to say, but maybe instead of saying how horrible, I might say how terrible, right? I might use a different synonym from time to time, or there might be something that gets a little bit switched around instead of saying, wow, you look very nice today. I might say, wow, you look pretty today. Like I might just switch the words. I don't remember the exact word that was in the script. I just know how to keep the same meaning, but here's the problem. When your partner has memorized the script as she probably should, to be honest, when you memorize a script and you just have it memorized, and both parties just memorize a script, it's actually probably the most surefire way to make sure you get a high mark. So actually, I might even be in the wrong, I'm not really sure, but when she memorized a script, right, and I would say something that maybe switched a word around or something, it derails it, because derails it, she'll start thinking, what the heck is Azarin doing? And there were were times where she would, like, show me. She had the script just in case one of us forgot a line. She'd, like, show me, like, "Ah, Azra, no, 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 you gotta say this. And I was, like, in my mind, I'm, like, I just said that. I just said that whole line. I I just, like, what what are you you showing it to me for? And I'd I'd look at it, I'd be, like, oh, I didn't say that. I said this phrase in a different way. Oh, but she, like, it would just derail it. It was just confusing. And then I realized that, whoa, like, we prepared in very, very different ways. We had a very different mindset going into it. And here's the thing. I derailed it by, by studying and preparing in a different way. My partner equally derailed it by studying it in her way because it messed me up too. Because there, was, there were times where she would say something that didn't really land with me. I remember this one time she said something and either I just didn't hear it right or either she mispronounced it. Something happened where the, whatever she said didn't land in my brain. And my, because I was treating this presentation as a real dialogue, right. I wanted to spit out like, oh wait, can you repeat that? Wait, can you say that again? Because in a real dialogue, if I missed what you said, I would just ask you to repeat yourself, but I couldn't ask her that because I knew that if I asked her, she'd be like, she would probably go to the next line or she wouldn't understand what I said and it would just confuse it even more. So here I'm stuck like, oh crap. What did she say? Shoot. I don't know what, I didn't memorize every single line. I don't know what she just said. So how the heck do I respond? (laughs) And so it it creates this whole kind of weird dynamic, which is, which ends up being not great and ends up not leading to a very smooth kind of presentation. (laughs) And, you know, as I'm standing up there doing this presentation, I realize something. And this is something for all the people that I saw, at least from what I could tell anyway. And this is, again, something I've seen in French classes, Spanish classes, English classes. I've seen this in many classes, heck, often even in my first language. If we're doing like an English presentation where everyone speaks English, this happens. The person speaking is literally focused just on their lines. The person speaking is not listening to their partner. They're not actually listening, generally. Usually you just prepare this thing. You're hoping the other person says their lines right. You're hoping person B says their lines right. And ta-da, there we go. <laughs> and so what happens is that they both just kind of go through it in a very robotic and rote kind of way. But me, when I was doing the presentation, I was legitimately listening to what she had to say. So again, I was again, treating it as a real conversation so I could use that as a real language learning exercise. And it's, it's, it's funny, right? And I was driving home. Initially, I was thinking I was so mad. I was thinking it was my partner's fault. And then I realized it was actually, I had a lot of blame to put in the whole scenario. And you know, I had a lot to do with it as well. And there's a lot of ways I could have communicated much more clearly to make sure things went better. And there's a lot that could have been done. And you know, a lot of the fault lies on me for sure. And I, that kind of calmed me down because like, ah, yeah, I've got to, I need to really learn, I really need to learn from this experience so that in the future, I don't make this kind of mistake again. Right. But as I'm driving home, it just hit me how many institutions, not all, right? Many classes, many programs, many textbooks, many, a lot of stuff, not everything, but a a, a solid percentage is not always conducive to you actually properly learning the language. Have you noticed that? Like this language, let's look at this presentation today. Everyone did their presentations. People are going to get, you know, most people, based on what I saw, they're going to get good marks. They're going to get 80%, 90%, 75%. Like most people are fine, right? They are good. Some people were really great. But at the end of the day, if I were to go now, like suddenly, right after the class, literally directly after, stop them and ask them something in, in normal speech about a word that they had used in their presentation that we've learned, they probably wouldn't understand. They'd be like, uh, how do I respond to that? Like they would not be able to. And, what the, and the funny thing is that you would think that that practice dialogue would help them prepare. The logic of the practice dialogue is that it prepares you to use it in a real scenario. But the thing is that even if they were in that real scenario, that exact scenario, their brain's not going to remember it most of the time for most people because they didn't treat the activity in the right way. They didn't use the activity in the right way. So actually, let me reword what I've said. It's not that the tools are necessarily bad. It's not that the tools... Are poorly designed as a matter of fact I think role plays are fantastic I think that practice dialogues are fantastic I think it's a great exercise to make your own dialogues and present them to an audience or to yourself or to really act them out I think that's actually great that's fantastic but the reality is that a lot of us are not using the tools in an effective way to actually help us learn so me I use my university classes as a tool to push myself forward and push my learning, everything. And weirdly, I think this is true. Let me think about this before I say it. But I think there is a chance... uh, Okay, this is partially true. Even with my first university degree, I would use not all my classes, but there'd be certain classes I would use as as a learning tool, whether or not I would get a good mark in the class. Weird, right? So these Mandarin classes I'm in now, these classes... They're just a learning tool for me. They're making me learn. I'm using them as a tool to learn, and I'm not worried about the end mark. And the reality that the result of that is often I don't get the highest marks in the class, even though I might actually have learned the most in the class often, not always, but that tends to happen. Um, and another example, of this is literally this Chinese linguistics class. We had to prepare a presentation, right? Uh, which is I'm doing tomorrow, by the way. Um, and we had seven different topics and it's a whole thing. And Essentially, it's the same thing like I'm, I, I feel very confident in saying most people are most people are gonna stand up They're gonna give this presentation about something we learned in the class and it's literally just gonna be for the mark I have picked a topic where I run the risk of actually getting a zero percent. There's a there's a small chance of it There is a chance I've had to contort my topic to kind of fit what topics we were given <laughs> Because I originally picked one of the topics which then led me down a different train of thought, which I was really interested in. And so I did research on it, I thought about it, I watched videos on it, I got really educated on it. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. I'm gonna do a presentation about that. And then after the fact, I realized, oh shoot, that's a little bit far away from the original topic we're supposed to do. Let me kind of contort it back. But. My presentation is literally being done as a learning tool. I'm excited to see what the teacher, what the teacher says after my presentation. I'm excited to see your feedback to see if I'm right or wrong. I've said some things pretty boldly in my presentation as if they're true, and I'm crossing my fingers to see what... I'm rather... I want to watch how my teacher reacts. She'll either be like, Azrin, did you know you're not right? That's actually false. I've done it on purpose. I've done that on purpose, right? To confirm if I'm right or wrong on something. And I might be wrong and I'll lose marks for it, but I'm totally okay with it. This presentation is a learning tool, right? So my presentation to give you some background is about um, Taiwanese Mandarin and and and, and uh, Beijing Mandarin, because they're very different. But the crazy thing is that they're very different in pronunciation, vocabulary, etc. But the crazy thing is that they have only, in, in Taiwan, they've only really been speaking Mandarin for less than a hundred years, less than a hundred years. So you would think, that if they've been speaking for less than 100 years, the language has not had that much time to evolve and digress from the original, quote-unquote, original Beijing-style Mandarin. So why is it so different? It's not the case like in French, where there's been many, 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 many years where Quebec has evolved differently than France. That's not the case for this, um, for Taiwanese Mandarin. So how the heck did this happen? Right, that's the topic that caught my interest. So I actually watched a video on Taiwanese, the language spoken, or Southern Min or Taiwanese. I actually, haven't figured out if it's Southern Min or Taiwanese or if they're synonyms for each other. But I did research on the language spoken in Taiwan before Mandarin became the official language. I watched a video with the alphabet. I actually learned some to test a hypothesis. My hypothesis was that um, the Mandarin spoken in 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 uh in taiwan is heavily influenced by the previous language that was spoken in the country before mandarin came and i think well i was very excited because i did all this research by myself i had my hypothesis i was pretty sure that i was right and then i found an academic paper that actually talked about the topic that i was going to talk about but <laughs> but the whole my, all of this to say that my presentation my goal going into it yes was to get an okay mark Blah 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 all that But when I finally chose a topic to research and present and everything, the way I made the presentation, the topic I chose, when I prepared it, the research I did, the websites I looked at, all the stuff I did had the primary goal of me actually learning something and taking something away from the university class that's going to now benefit me in my own personal life, essentially, right? So now that I know, I now know some different aspects of Taiwanese Mandarin, which I had only suspected in the past, but now I know it for a fact. And that's going to help me because I am planning. That's going to help me because I am planning to teach Mandarin in the future, right? I, I know that's something I'll probably end up doing. And so now that I know this difference, one difference or many differences as concrete facts, I can, I can really teach that well in the future. Also me now, when I hear Taiwanese people speak, I can, I have a deep, it's an, it's, 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 it's easier for me to understand what they're saying. It's much easier because now I really know what some of the differences really are versus before I didn't. So I've used this project for me to benefit, for me to take something away from it. And again, I I just don't, I, I, I just don't see a lot of people who treat schooling or education in that way. I just, I just don't see it. And the, you know, the, I don't know if it's a bad thing or crappy thing, but the thing that's kind of unfortunate in my case, and it's not even really unfortunate, I should watch my words, because it's not unfortunate, but something that's noteworthy, let's say, is that I won't necessarily get rewarded for my actions. I don't even want the reward, I just need to get through the classes, I don't. I just need to get an okay mark in the classes, like, if I can manage a B, right, a B, or a B plus or B, like, if I can just manage through them, I don't even know what mark I absolutely need, but at the end of the day, if I can get through this and just use the classes to make me learn and not fail out and still get my degree and everything goes well, all the teachers still like me, I'm in their good books, I'm a good student, blah, all this stuff, right? If I can just do all that, I'm happy, right? And it's interesting how the final, the way that you are graded does not necessarily correlate to if you have actually learned something. That is fascinating to me. It's just interesting that the grade does not correlate to how much you actually learned or how smart you are or anything like that. There's no correlation in in many cases, not always, but in many cases. (laughs) Um, Again, and I want to stress this. It's not always like I have done assignments in the class, which do actually correlate to what knowledge you have. There, There have been things I've done like that, but this was an example of one. The overall grading system is an example of something that doesn't always correlate very well. Um, anything else I want to say on this topic? I feel like I, I could go forever, but we've already been going for 23, 24 minutes. So let's wrap this up here. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you like this episode. Um, and we will talk later. Bye for now guys. See you.